from NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians. This is episode 154 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I'm your host, Amanda Bruce. If you're new to the podcast, hello! We are so glad you're tuning in with us. Each week, Ministry Monday offers a podcast episode for the church music minister on topics that seek to help you learn, grow, challenge, and inspire. If you haven't done so already, I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us. Today, I have the privilege of speaking to Kathleen, or as I know her, Kate Basie. Author and liturgical composer Kate Basie is mother to three active boys, read that, always breaking something, and one chromosomally gifted daughter. She is a fellow pastoral musician and composer as well as an author. Her nonfiction has appeared in a number of magazines, Chicken Soup for the Soul, and on NPR's All Things Considered. Today, Kate was kind enough to sit down and talk about her book, A Song for the Road, which was just released last week. Her novel is an honest look at loss and the complexities behind grief and renewal. I myself have finished it, and I think it's an excellent read, especially for pastoral musicians. Keep listening to find out why. Today on Ministry Monday, I'm talking to Kate Basie, who, of course, professionally in her book is Kathleen Basie, but if it's okay, I'm going to call you Kate today. Please. Okay. So, Kate, we're talking about your book today. You are coming out with a book um, at the time, of course, that we are going to air this. It is released. Your book is released. So, congratulations on on getting here. It's been, I, I think it's been a long journey, but it, it is a very long journey. Uh, many people do not realize what it takes to break into book publishing. Um, fiction is a very competitive world. And I think this book I sent a um, hundred query letters to literary agents before I landed one. And so it is it has been a long long journey that involves a great deal of faith to get mm-hmm. to this point but i'm really happy to be here when did you first come up with the idea of the book and that you wanted to get it published this book came from uh, a dream which seems really trite and but but dreams really are the 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 holy spirits the unconscious all of those things um, i woke up from this dream early in the morning and there was much more to it, but within the first 30 seconds, everything was gone except for this central image, which was 
I was standing in a beautiful place at the end of a long journey, and I was looking at the place where my family had died. And that sounds really depressing, but the fact was that it was a really, really uplifting, it was just such a, a hope-filled kernel of emotion that was left after that dream. And I thought, wow, there's got to be a story in there. And I had already written several books that had not made it to this point. So I went through a long process of trying to figure out what that journey was to get to that, uh, to, to get to that place. And so that is, that, the, that is where this book began. And how long ago was that? I don't remember when the dream was exactly. I know that I drafted this book during the 2016 primary election because I made some sort of a smart comment about how presidential politics was doing nothing for her for her existential crisis. <laughs> and by the time it was getting published in 2020, as, as we were going through the edits with the publisher in 2020, I was like, look at this, nothing's changed and it's been four years. <laughs> Okay, so so yeah, you were working on it for about four years, and now it's it's finally released. Um, so of course the 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 title of the book, A Song for the Road. Uh, mm -hmm. To someone who's listening, of course, they haven't read the book yet. We're not going to give away any spoilers, but can you give just a, a quick bird's eye view of the the premise of the book? Sure. So, Miriam is a pastoral musician in a Catholic parish in Atlanta, so that's why I'm on this podcast today. Um, and she has, it's been a year since she lost her family. They, they died in a car accident um, and she gets called in to do a funeral on this day and pretty much spectacularly self-destructs during it. And um, probably pastoral musicians will get a guilty pleasure laughing at that scene actually, <laughs> um, because it's things that we would never get to do, that we would never allow ourselves to do. Um, <laughs> But then um, she realizes at that point that something has to change. And so when she goes home to uh, clean out her daughter's room, just to try to break free of this blockage emotionally that, she is, that she's been experiencing, she discovers that her daughter had written her, her teenage daughter had written her a smartphone app um, that is a flip a coin road trip across America. And so Miriam just drops everything and takes off on this road trip across America. And so it's the story of how she's meeting people and encountering people and um, playing music at every stop and, and connecting with people through music and through other encounters. And so, and how she learns to forgive herself and, and learn what it means to love again and to be, um, to be a human being again and to, to get back in touch with herself. One of the things that I love about this book in particular, and I know I said it before we started recording, but I think it bears repeating as, as we're talking now officially on the episode, that you convey that complexity of processing that loss for the main character, Miriam, because she is still after a couple, it was two years after the loss of her family, she is still processing this grief. And I am, I, I'm blessed to say that I have not lost my husband and children in right. this devastating car accident. But the idea is that 
you 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 paint her grief in a way that it shows that grief is constantly evolving it's constantly changing and in, in that mm-hmm. character and that's one of the things that i really think is so powerful about this story in particular especially for me again who um has not experienced such such a deep tragedy like she has there's a there's a woman who coaches writers fiction writers and she has done a lot of research on story. And what the research tells about story is that we connect with fiction because, or not even fiction necessarily, just stories from other people. We all like those um, gut-wrenching, heart, um, heartwarming, hope-filled stories about people overcoming tragedy and things like that. We love those because they allow us to play around it's an evolutionary tool that the that the mind has in order to play around with the unimaginable and figure out um how like to to get ourselves um ready to be to know what it takes to go through that story allows us to enter into that experience in a way that um we wouldn't be able to do if somebody just tells us you know tries to do a dry academic thing story lets us get inside of it and actually i think that that's story if you look at it in that way story is really about empathy you learn to see through someone else's eyes and that's what i think is uh, draws me the most about fiction because it's so hard in these days to understand each other and we all have our our um, beliefs about our experience makes our reality. And so it's very hard to understand when someone else has a different reality. We just think they're, you know, story lets us get inside their head if we're willing to go there. The other thing I mentioned to you too, in terms of context and understanding people's reality is, I think this is the first fiction book I've ever read. I can't recall another book I've read of fiction where the main character is a pastoral musician. <laughs> I mean, you know, in, 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 in all honesty, I, when I started, I thought, okay, like, I wonder if this is really relatable to non-pastoral musicians, but then it so is like, it, it's so, I mean, you know, Miriam, the main character is a pastoral musician but that's not the whole story. And so that storytelling that you show of her context is, you know, as pastoral musicians, it's so nice to hear references that we really get. Um, (laughs) And so they're sprinkled throughout the story, but then there's also this depth of, you know, human experience that she is having that we get to witness. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's so wonderful that way. Like, you know, pastoral musician, uh, as a pastoral musician, it pulls us in, and then we kind of pastoral music easter eggs <laughs> yes yes it is yes yeah, yeah I, I the community is the community of pastoral musicians is so so wonderful and we we really like we all know each other but no we don't ever get nobody even in other christian denominations i don't feel like they really know what we uh, I, I don't feel like it, it's it's not a universal experience. And I thought this is something that should be honored out there. I And I hoped when I started writing that the pastoral music would be able to take a more front and center role, but it ended up having to be more like Easter eggs and um, and a touch as she went on the road trip, because of course she can't haul her whole choir with her when she goes across the country. But there is a point at which her choir 
um, writes some new lyrics to or new text for uh, and, and writes her a road trip themed hymn and sends it to her in a video. So there are some things that happen um, along through the book that you that that I hope pastoral musicians will appreciate. I'm sure they will. I remember specifically that it was the first time I had read a hymn tune name in a book before. <laughs> I like, had to oh. have an argument with the I had to have an argument with the editors on that actually because they <laughs> wanted to make it lowercase and I said no. No, it has to be cast. No. <laughs> the people the people who know the significance of it, I will lose my head if, if we don't. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, it really it's such a little nuance that we as pastoral musicians will will get again. You're you're speaking yes. our language if you will. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you wouldn't mind, are you willing and okay with maybe reading a short excerpt from the book? Sure, I can read a couple of pages right at the beginning. Um, there's this, uh, you start pretty much in the depths of her dysfunction, <laughs> but there's actually a lot of humor as the book goes on. And we were discussing um, what section to read and whether it would be good to do some of that humor, but there's um, there are a few things that probably should should be appreciated not on a podcast. So <laughs> there's a teaser for you if you're listening. There's you'll a find, teaser. Indeed. Yeah, you, you'll find that part whenever you get the book. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. On her 38th birthday, Miriam Tedesco received flowers from a ghost. She didn't need the blatant reminder that the universe hated her she'd known for a year, and if she'd had any doubts, they vanished the moment she got called to lead music for a funeral on a day she should have been at home nursing her own loss. Miriam, the hospitality director, greeted her at the door of St. Gregory the Great Church. Thank God you're here. I need the key for the janitor's closet. A kid threw up in the cry room. The second volunteer touched her shoulder, not quite meeting her eyes. Miriam, the reserved signs are missing. Do you know where they are? Hey, guys, said one of her choir members. Somebody's got to talk to those readers. They both have the same scripture. It's getting ugly up there. Miriam tried to point out that a Catholic funeral included two readings and it shouldn't be that hard to satisfy everyone, but her voice wouldn't work. Heart pounding, roaring ears. Was she having a panic attack? And why didn't anyone seem to notice? Usually she relished the way people at St. Greg's counted on her institutional knowledge, her competence for things beyond her musical expertise. But it sure seemed like the good Lord could have cut her a break on the first anniversary of the day her husband and kids had died. Too many colors, flowers bearing the altar and more arriving every minute. Too many people, the hushed conversations like a mosquito she could hear but not see well enough to swat. The walls wouldn't stand still. If she didn't know better, she'd swear the stained glass saints ringing the church were laughing at her. A firm hand gripped her elbow from behind and a crisp voice addressed the volunteers. Gentlemen. Becky Linden, parish secretary, and at 60, a silver-haired force of nature, tightened her grip. A little space, for heaven's sake. I realize everyone's freaked out about hosting a funeral for a congressman, but it's still just a funeral. You've all done this a hundred times. The reserve signs are in the front pew. I can see them from here. Here are my keys. Go clean up the puke yourself. And as for the readers, ask Father Simeon. Miriam doesn't need to be dealing with that. Go on, scoot. The volunteers scattered. Becky turned to Miriam. Her embrace made the wall stop undulating and the stained glass stand still. I'm so sorry you got called in today, she murmured. I won't wish you a happy birthday, but I'm praying hard it doesn't completely suck. <laughs> so of course, that you know shows 
the complex nature too of the main character in what she walks into. And I also think too, it's all, it's another piece of commentary for pastoral musicians and grief. Um, you know, we, when we experience a loss, sometimes, unfortunately, even if, even if it doesn't fall on our birthday, which in this story it does, but like, mm. even if it doesn't fall on that, we, we struggle, I'll speak for myself. I struggle to make sure that my grief doesn't morph into what I'm experiencing or witnessing at a funeral. Um, you know, and not to mention too, the constant pastoral needs that everyone has when you walk in the door, which is so real. Um, but the main character walks into a hurricane for lack of a better term, emotionally, um, while she's still trying does, to and, handle her grief. And, and pretty much by the end of the first chapter, it's all out there. You, you know, what her, you know, the anxieties and the, the things that she's struggling with, um, with her memories of her children and whether she was a good mother and whether she was a good wife and her, she's going through a crisis of faith. And so all of these things thread through the book. I mean, if you, it, it's all perfectly natural things that would happen if you went through something like that. So it's, it, it was a really rewarding experience. And they say one of the, one of the recommendations that authors are given always is do something that terrifies you every day. Mm -hmm. Well, it was terrifying to write this book um, because you do have to dive into the unimaginable. Um, but also because I was writing in a crack between this is not Christian fiction, it's secular fiction. And um, so it, it touches on themes that maybe the Christians among us are not going to be very happy about seeing there. I mean, Miriam made some bad choices in her life. Um, and at the same time, she is, I, I've, I've always felt that it's not fair that secular fiction has to pretend like faith doesn't exist at all, pretty much. So this is a book that exists in the crack. And I was desperately afraid the entire time that it would never find a place because it doesn't, because it has a foot in both worlds. With that being said, who do you think would enjoy reading this most? Like, who, who do you think? Well, I write women's fiction, which is by definition, um, the character's emotional journey drives the story. So there can be, you can have elements of thriller or elements of romance or elements of many different things, but that emotional journey is the, is the primary thing. So obviously, um, the obvious answer is adult women. However, I think that this, there is enough in this book that is universal in human experience. I mean, who among us does not question our vocation, does not question, and by vocation, I mean, like, not just religious vocation, but our choice of a, of a job and how much we devote to it. Um, who among us doesn't question that? Who among us does not question whether we have the balance of family and work and personal life and <clears throat> and um, taking, you know, putting on your own oxygen mask before you take care of the kids and the guilt surrounding that and um, whether we are a good enough spouse and whether we are a good enough parent, all of these things are, are very universal, I think, universal human experiences, things that we talk about with our friends all the time 
So I, I think it has I think it has a lot to offer across the spectrum. And so at this point, the book is released. Where can someone find a copy of the book? It is everywhere that you would find uh, everywhere that you would find books. It's on all the online retailers. Um, they will be linked off of my website, which is KathleenBasie.com. And uh, there's a page for the novels. And actually, that page was set up by a fellow composer and um, and pastoral musician, Tony Ward. So uh, if you like the look of the website and you need a website done, I'll plug him too. <laughs> nice, nice shameless <laughs> plug. I'll also say too, that I will put the uh, website, I'll put your website in the show notes of this episode as well on ministrymonday.org. So if you're listening, you can find that there as well. Uh, is it available as an ebook? It's available on ebook, yes, and also on audio. So if you you oh, can cool. you know spend the money on the CDs, or you can if you have Audible, you can get to it off of Audible. Oh, cool! Very nice. It's good. So if you're on a road trip this summer, I don't know, maybe going to New Orleans. If you're driving <laughs> to the convention, you could That's get right. it as an audiobook. Yes, there. you can. See, shameless plug for me now too. So um, as we wrap up, are there any other thoughts you'd like to share about the book? Well, I just want to say how how thrilled I am that if I had to wait as many years and write as many books as I have in order to get published, that the one that finally broke the barrier was the one that reflects my love of the pastoral music community, because you guys are really amazing. And I, uh, this is, I was never a kid who fit in and I didn't really um, feel like I came into my own until I got to college and did music. And then when I discovered the pastoral music community, it happened all over again. I found out who my real people were. So this is, it, it is such a, such a privilege that this gets to be the book that, that uh, puts my, puts me out in the world as a fiction author. And thank you for representing pastoral musicians in this light too, because we don't really, like, like I said, we don't really get represented at all in terms of fiction, I don't think so, or at least in, in the uh, secular fiction world. So, so thank you for taking your time to talk with us about the book. A Song for the Road by Kathleen Basie is now out wherever you buy books online or audio. Um, if you're an Audible user like me, you can find it there. And I am proud to say that I have my copy. It is a wonderful book. So thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today, Kate. Thank you so much for humoring me and letting me come on. <laughs> of course. Toma, Señor, recibe toda mi Thanks so much to Kate for her time today. For more information on where to purchase A Song for the Road, visit the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. The recording of Eso Me Basta, Señor was produced by Oregon Catholic Press, and the theme music for this episode was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. Tune in next week for a conversation on prayer with Father Jim Martin. It was an excellent conversation, and I strongly encourage you to save the date and check back here next week for the episode. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. 
Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday. Eso me basta, Señor. Eso me basta.